When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. I hope you had a wonderful week. And uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you're a big Michael Bean fan, you never heard of Inside of You. Well, I hope you stick around. Um, I think people, you know, tend to stick around if they like an episode, maybe subscribe. Um, Our handles are at Inside of You Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and at Inside of You Pod on the Twitter. And uh, really appreciate you. You know, we've been doing this for years now, and uh, we get really good conversations with guests, and they open up about mental health, anxiety, life. And um, yeah, I hope you stick around, and uh, it seems like it helps a lot of people. It helps me, helps me with my my anxiety in my life. And uh, Ryan's here. Yeah, I'm here. Still going to therapy? Still going to therapy. Good for you, Ryan. Good for you. Had an appointment this morning. Yeah, did it yeah, go well? It, it it did. It probably yeah. What? No, I mean it's uh it's kind of like, well, what happens when uh when when you guys do the better help ad? Uh, Tommy's is usually says like uh, I don't usually don't want to talk in the morning, but then uh, get going and it helps. It does. That's the thing. It's like you think you don't have anything to talk about, and the once you start talking within ten minutes, boom, floodgates open, and you're like, "Oh my god, I'm so thankful <laughs> I did this." You just you just feel better. I do. Yeah, um, yeah, it's groovy. Uh, we're gonna be doing a lot of cons this year, Tom and I. So if you haven't seen a Smallville Nights or haven't visited us at a con, you you got to do that. The Smallville Nights are great events. Uh, we read old scenes with fans. Uh, it's really private. There's prizes. It's 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 wonderful. Um, everyone who goes says you have to do this. So hopefully, you know, we're going to be all over the country. Um, I'll be in Wales. I'll be in. I'll be all over. I'll hmm. be all over. So you got to come. Also, if you want to go, uh, if you go to talkvillepodcast.com, um, you can get original artwork signed by me and Tom. These awesome pieces of art. And there's a limited supply. There's only 55 made, and then they're gone, and they're autographed. I mean, Tom, go to TalkvillePodcast.com if you want some of that merch. The Inside of You online store is there. we got new Smallville octagonal ship keys signed by me. we also got the regular ones that don't say Smallville. We've got Lexmas scripts and uh, a bunch of cool tumblers, yellow Inside of You tumblers for coffee, mugs, all that stuff. And last but not least, um, Join Patreon and really support the podcast. Without my patrons, I I wouldn't do this. Period. They really, um, they really support me and keep this podcast going. So go to patreon.com slash inside of you and I'll try to message you soon. And you there's a bunch of perks like your name getting shouted out on the podcast, boxes of merch from me with notes, all that jazz. Um, so there you have it. Uh, we got a great guest today on the podcast. Yeah. Legend. Uh, legend i have the poster up there i actually took that poster off it's an aliens poster and i had it i took it apart and had him sign it because he was the only member of the of the uh, cast from aliens that hadn't signed it and michael bean signed it uh i feel like we're buddies now we text each other um i just like how raw and real he is and just 
lets it all out there. I mean, you are going to hear him speak from the heart. I mean, he just says, this is how it was. This is who I was. Didn't like this person. Enjoy this. I mean, he's just, I've never seen some, he reminded me a lot like Robert Patrick in the sense Mm -hmm. that it was like old school, Mm -hmm. like, hey, this is what you're going to get, fucker. Mm-hmm. This is what you're going to get. This is me. <laughs> and here I am. And I put myself out there and let you know that this is what, this is my life. And I love that. Just, I really appreciated him. So uh, without further ado, let's just do it, man. Let's get inside of Michael Bean. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. Uh, and I was a kid and I was just like uh, starting to starting to make a little bit of money. And, uh, you know, I went to a blackjack ta- table, took a hundred dollar bill, threw it out there, played my hand, busted. And that stick came out and pulled that hundred bill, hundred dollar bill back. And I, I just said, you know, it's back in the mid seventies. I, I probably, probably could have had a lot of fun with that hundred dollar bills here, hundred dollars in Vegas. <laughs> what year and, was that? I don't know, seventy eight. So hundred bucks is probably like a thousand bucks. Well, it was, it was enough that uh, I know that um, I could have had a little bit more fun with a hundred dollars in Vegas than just watching somebody <laughs> take it from me. And I, I've never really gambled since. I never, that don't, I gamble with friends. I, I, I've got a d- deal going. You know Doug Stanhope? Yeah. Well, Doug and I Great are Great comedian. Friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doug and I are best friends. Uh, boyfriend and, and, and boyfriend. Our, 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 our wives <laughs> like to call us. Right. I met him when I went to Bisbee, when I when moved to Bisbee. You saw him do a show or that's how uh, you met him? I've been following uh, Doug for um, probably 20 years. Right. And I've always loved him. Him, Louis C.K., Bill Burr, of course, oh, yeah. um, Ricky Gervais. Uh, those are kind of my guys that oh, I just yeah. love. Uh, but Stanhope was always uh, my favorite. And uh, so when I moved to Bisbee, I knew he's in Bisbee because he talks about Bisbee in his act. And uh, uh, so I was hoping to get a chance to meet him. And uh, I finally did. And we fell in love. And we're 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 boyfriend and boyfriend. Is now. it because he has such a dark sense of humor? You like that? I how his mind works. Well, yes, um, but he thinks I'm funny for some reason. He thinks I'm like he, hysterical. Why is that? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you Do you know? think you're funny? I can be in the right <laughs> in the right circumstances. It all depends what I'm talking about. You know, I can be funny. I'm not. Um, I. I'm certainly not a comedian who can be funny, you know, like this. But if I'm telling stories about my life, <laughs> people have a tendency to to smile every once in a while. The yeah. people usually, when they hear these stories, are they shocked at some of these things that you've done in your life? Probably, yeah. I've, you know, I, my life is um, is, yeah, yeah. No, it's been it's been a wild, wild ride and a great one. I mean, a great one, and um, but it's been wild, right? Right from the time that I I moved out here when I was I was about nineteen, 
I'll, I'll get you through the, the, the early stuff quickly because I've heard your podcast no, no. before. <laughs> I was born in Alabama. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. in R Rookerville. Yeah. We were talking about oh, Michael, Michael Rooker. Oh, Michael Rooker, your old buddy from Tombstone. <laughs> I'm trying to get in touch with him because I want you to tell a Rooker story. Because uh, on the podcast, he's you were listening to it. Yes. Rooker says, um, no, no, I don't get angry. If I get angry, I get angry. Like, you know, I'm acting angry. I'm acting angry. And then you started laughing because you were listening to that. And you said, that's bullshit. Ask him about. Come on. Well, I I don't, I, I don't know about any. I, I don't know about other times, but I know. Well, he's an intense when, when guy. He, he's a funny uh, but when, intense. You know, uh, dude. When he was on Tombstone and when he blew up at George Cosmatos, uh, <laughs> and he got in George Cosmatos' face, um, I don't think that was for effect. I don't. You know, what I don't happened? Think, uh, George Cosmatos was an idiot. <laughs> I I basically uh, he George Cosmatos replaced another director. Kevin Jar on that movie. Right. And George Cosmatos uh, just was uh, brought in um, and nobody really liked him. I have. I've, I've Is he still alive? No, he's dead. Oh. And uh, uh, he, he, this is the truth. I met him. I said I said five words to him the entire time I made that movie. And he was he was the director on he got credited for directing that movie i i met him i said hello and he started talking it was you know around a couple of other people i just said hello and uh, and then the next day i watched him directing the way he treated people uh and um the next time he approached me um i he said michael and i said go fuck yourself and that was the only five words i ever said to george cosmatos Go when, when fuck we, yourself. Go fuck yourself. Based on just what you're... But my observations of the way that he treated people on that set. You know, he would say things like, yeah, tell the uh, extra with the big tits to, to take two steps forward, you know? And Whoa. he was a guy that if you were above him on, on the food chain, he'd kiss your ass. So he, he, he tried to kiss my ass. But if you were below him on the food chain... He'd treat like shit. What and about he thought, that guy like he thought, Val Kilmer? He treated him with respect. Oh, of course. Val, Kurt, um, Sam Elliott, uh, Billy Bob. No, all those people. Did they like him? Nobody liked him. Nobody liked well, him. Well, he didn't really He didn't really direct a movie. Nobody directed it. You know, uh, people say, uh, did, did, did uh, Kurt Russell uh, direct a movie? And the fact of the matter is, it's a little bit like a football team. Michael, you have a coach that goes down, so the coach is gone. They like the f former coach. What? Say that the again. The the director from before that got fired, or no? It, that's that's a whole another conversation. I liked him. Right. I liked him a lot, uh, and um, I think he's more responsible. He wrote the script, and right. uh, he's a great writer. He wrote Glory, and uh, he's a great writer. But he was very rigid, and he didn't understand how collaborative uh, filmmaking was. Especially with all those creative actors. Around. Well, I know. He had Kurt Russell, who's been a movie star since he was like five. Right. Um, he had Val, Sam, me, Powers Booth. Powers Booth and I had a great time. Um, That's intimidating, by the way. Well, well, it's not intimidating. I mean, that, coming in as a director, you have to kind of have that. Maybe that's what this new director was like. I'll just be a fucking badass and pe treat people like shit because he was insecure. Nah, he was just. He was just an asshole. <laughs> he was, a, yeah, he was just an asshole. And, uh, uh, but that, you know, that movie uh, came out 
you know, they they waited four weeks into the shooting of that movie to um, fire uh, Kevin Jar. So you see, if you get a director, there's problems, you know, there's arguments, there's creative differences, you know, a weekend or whatever. We had three months to shoot that movie and four weeks in, they fired Kevin Jar and they, they used none of the footage that he uh, uh, that he shot. So there's a lot of Tombstone that got cut out before we even shot it. Uh, there was so much uh, with the Cowboys, with me and Powers uh, that got cut out of the movie. Uh, and, and, uh, all the girls, all the women in the movie, all their stuff got cut out, all the wives, uh, the love story, which was, you know, that was a big part of the movie that got cut. How down was the morale on set when this new director just pops up and are you guys, this movie's not going to go anywhere. This is going to be a piece of shit. Were you here's not- the thing. Here's the thing about it. Uh, Michael, for me, um, I can only really concentrate on, on the character that I'm playing and I don't really have... I don't have any control over what happens. And um, uh, I don't really give a fuck about uh, morale. I, you know, I'm there. I'm going to be good. And, and, and that was a, a really great character. The character was great because uh, there are other characters in, in, in the movie, like, like Val Kim, Oh, Johnny Ringo, the fastest gun in the blah, blah, blah. And uh, Kurt says to him at the end of the movie, what's Johnny? What's wrong with Johnny? Oh, he's got a big hole in his heart. And he's, you know, he's sorry he was born. And uh, Powers Booth at one point says something along the lines of, oh, God knows what's going to happen to this group when, when Johnny Ringo takes over. So I've got all the other actors talking about how crazy I am. So they really don't have to do very much, you know? I don't really have <laughs> right, to do very much. Right. But I knew it was a good role. I mean, I could, you read a script and you see a line like, I want your blood and I want your soul and I want them both right now. And, you know, you look at that and you go, wow. You know, I can't wait to say that line. Yeah. But there was a lot of stuff that got cut out of the movie. And it what the movie ended up being was just a smaller. Have you seen it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Tombstone. Yeah. Who yeah. hasn't seen Tombstone? Well, uh, it's been years, but it's one of the best movies. Come yeah. On. Well, we got started talking about it because of Rucker and uh, you know, <laughs> oh and, yeah, and, yeah. And see, people ask me about uh, Val and and you know, Rucker was one of them. He was Erps. He was one of them. Me, Powers Booth. Stephen Lang, uh, uh, John Corbett, uh, we were the Cowboys. And so we we all hung out. People ask me what Val Kilmer's like. I go, I know I have never met Val Kilmer. You never I met him. I give a fuck about Val Kilmer. You never met him. Never met Val Kilmer. I never met ah, Val Kilmer. I gotcha. We never we we never let You were just talking to his character, a character to character. Character to character. And we went out, we shot the final scene in the movie that uh, I'll be your Huckleberry, that scene. We went out because by that time George had been fired. We went out and rehearsed that because Jim Jacks, the producer, who's a great guy, just no longer with us, he suggested that we go out and rehearse it. So he got in his car and went out to the to the location and i got in my car and went out to the location and uh, you know we got out of the car and there was hey there's no there was never hey val hey what's up what'd you do like none of that it's like okay what do you, you want that it's just what happens michael you know like that's like i hung out with powers booth 
I didn't hang. Bill Paxton and I had done, that was a fifth movie we'd done together. Right. But, and maybe it was because we were young, younger, but, um, you know, he, they were, it was them against us. And, uh, you know, I got really nothing to say to Bill. I got, uh, you know, I got Kurt, on the other hand, kind of, he held that movie together when they fired the director and brought George in. And, and, and Kurt's a wonderful guy. He's a great, great personality. He's fun. He's got a great laugh. Uh, obviously a wonderful actor. He's been a movie star since mm -hmm. he was 10. Uh, you always hear about people talking about uh, actors who, um, young actors growing up in the business and they always get all fucked up or whatever. Mm -hmm. Not Kurt. Kurt, you no. know, Kurt. Knew who he was. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, it, you know, that's not 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 part of my life, but uh, but there's there's a there's a part of me like you know when I go on set, you want the other person, you want the people to be, oh, this is gonna be fun, this is gonna be. But it sounds to me like this movie was just like, don't expect to make friends, do your fucking part. I'm there to make a movie to be great, and if they don't want to be like that, that's not going to affect my performance. Well, they don't. You know, I don't, here's the thing about making movies. It's a collaborative thing. And I, I don't, I, I, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to try to undercut anybody. You heard Robert Patrick talking about some movie he was on where some actor was trying to undercut him. I think we know who he was talking about. <laughs> right. But, you know, I, I never, I've never in my life thought like, oh, you know, if I stood over here, maybe I could take something away from this. I've never done that, nor do I ever see anybody do it to me. And if I even think that, you know, somebody does their off camera, so they're not really paying attention, you're not doing their off camera that well. I'm just like, fuck you. I don't need you to do off camera. I'd rather you, you know, if somebody's wow. just kind of, a lot of times the off camera, I'll just go like, just you move out of the way and I'll do it to air. I'd rather I'll do it I, a piece of tape. I'll on do it fucking, to a piece of tape. I've done exactly. that before, which is better performance because they're not giving me anything and I don't want to be yeah. distracted by the bullshit. And, and, and with me, with distraction and you hear, ah, you're in my eye line. Can everybody move out of my eye line? I'm like, Fuck you! Get in my eye line. Do jumping jacks behind the the shot. Jesus, well, you know that's I've confidence. Been, I've been doing it for you've been doing it a long time. Fifty years, fifty fucking years. Fifty so. fucking years. Close. Forty eight. Inside of you is brought to you by Rocket Money. I love Rocket Money. You know why? Because everyone should have Rocket Money because it just helps you save money. How many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore and we're paying so much money? It's just throwing away money, Ryan. I, I found one. You And you did it. You told I me. Found, I got Rocket Money. <laughs> okay, I found one. It. I'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on, but thank you for finding it. <laughs> My God. It was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, because it's like you want to watch some show and you go, oh, I have to subscribe to this uh, this streaming, uh, whatever. Mm -hmm. And you, you start streaming the show, you watch it, you leave, and you forget after this trial period it kicks in and it's they're charging terrible. you 10 bucks a month. It's, it is embarrassing. Ugh. You know, 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had, you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra uh, between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services. 
it's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. I don't like that. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp? When you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash inside. Really quick, I got to hear the Rooker thing. Well, the Rooker thing was basically, (laughs) well, there were a couple things when, you know, I was doing my research. Uh because I knew I was going to do your podcast. So I figured, you know, and listen to guys kind of my age. So I listened to uh, Robert Patrick and, and Fickner and, 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 and Rooker. And I didn't listen to all of them, all, all, the, all of the show, but I listened to, to Rooker enough to laugh at a couple of things that you talked to him about. And one of the things that he talked to you about was the fact that uh, you said, to, do you ever, uh, Michael, do you ever get like just angry? Do you ever get like, you know, just, really, really pissed off. And he said, oh, well, sometimes I just act like I'm pissed off, you know, for for effect. And I just I I heard that and I just had to laugh because uh, uh, I've known Michael since we did Tombstone and he and and, uh, he directed uh, Jennifer in a play my beautiful wife, wife, Jennifer. Yeah. Who uh, I've, I've heard about you for years. Yeah. Uh, Cause you used to date Danielle and they yep. used to, yeah, that whole thing. And, uh, 
And so anyway, he's like, well, you know, sometimes I just act like I'm angry. And you're like, oh, so you're not really, you just act. Yeah, I just act like I'm angry because, you know, I want something done or whatever. And I, I just laugh because I've seen Michael totally lose his fucking shit. <laughs> when, when we were doing Tombstone, next time you have him on, uh, you have to ask him about George Cosmatos. And when he was doing... Um, uh, when he was in George Cosmato's face, uh, was that just for effect? I'm just wondering if that was for effect or if he was really angry. Was he, were you like, holy shit, he can hit him? Nah, you, you never know with Michael. <laughs> you never know. He was in a place that, and listen, we've all been there. I've been there before. Mm -hmm. I'm no saint when it comes to, um, uh, uh, is it Christian Bale? Christian Who had the, Bale. the rant? Um, oh, yeah. I've had a rant like that. His lasted. Mine lasts for like usually five or six seconds. Right. They don't last for like done. a minute and a half or whatever. And I usually think they're valid. Uh, but I was, you know, I used to, um, I want things right. I want things to be right. And it's usually not about another person. It's about the material and the material not being right or moving on when, when you haven't got what you really need. Uh, so you let it out on James Cameron, didn't you? No, never, not once. No, 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 no. Because Jim, when I when I first met Jim, I came in, I auditioned uh, for Jim for uh, the Terminator, him and Gail Hurd, and uh, I got the part. And uh, at that time, I was the most experienced player around. I mean, because Arnold hadn't done anything; he'd done Conan, and then um, Linda hadn't done much. Uh, even Stan Winston, the the great special oh, yeah. effects guy on that show, had he was pretty pretty early in his career. Uh, uh, I think Cameron wanted Dick Smith originally, and Dick Smith I'd worked with before. So anyway, I I was was very very experienced, and uh, not very experienced, but. Uh, Kind of experience. More I've than done the quite others. A bit, yeah, quite a bit of work by that time. Right. I was 28. I started working when I was 22 and uh, 21 or 22. And uh, um, the thing about Jim is what happened. Uh, Arnold's option got picked up to go do uh, Conan, the Barbarian mm -hmm. 2. I'm, I'm not sure what the name of the second one is. And so we... We're, we're, we're ready to go, ready to start shooting. And when that happened, we got we got pushed. So we had to spend like four months waiting for Arnold to finish Conan the, Bar the Barbarian. By that time, I had already been cast. By that time, I got to know. And so during that four-month period of time, I, 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 got, I got to know Jim. And Jim uh, and Stan, I spent loads and loads of hours uh with them and watch them work and you don't have to be around jim cameron um very long to understand that you're working with somebody who uh is very special uh oh, yeah. is uh uh incredibly creative incredibly smart and driven driven like nobody i've ever worked with before and nobody puts in as many hours nobody cares as much uh he sets the bar high michael you know i think he you know that uh 
I did three movies with him. Um, Aliens, The Abyss, Terminator 2. No. Terminator 1. Ter- Terminator 1. Uh, yeah, yeah. And Aliens and um, The Abyss. Right. And had a little part in T2 that got cut and put back in we'll the We'll get to that because you, didn't you get paid for that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, let's get back. Stay on camera. Stay on camera. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. So, uh, you know, Jim, uh, he sets the bar high. So if you want to come play with Jim Cameron, you better be prepared to uh, do your best. And I think that's all he ever asks from anybody is their their best. I don't I've never heard Jim. Lose it. Scream. I know one story. Oh, well, okay, but it is one is story. First, but, is it firsthand? Oh yeah, and he's he was right though. Well, he's always right. There was a, there was a moment. <laughs> have I told that story? Tom Arnold told me this story about True Lies. <clears throat> he says he's in the car, and Schwarzenegger's really late, and they get into the car, and Cameron comes up to him, and just says. You're fucking my day, man. You're fucking my day. You come up here late. God damn it. I don't want to see you fuck. And he goes off on him for about five seconds, 10 seconds. Walks away. And Arnold goes, buddy, why don't you punch him in the face for that? He goes, because he was right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, I I don't know where you heard that. I don't know if you heard that story or read it, because I read that story myself. I read that. And that, I'm sure, happened. And I'm sure that, 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 that Jim could could have lost it my experience with him is that um uh he's intense he wants things right and he wants things done his way now and you know there was a time and i've i've, I've told this story before i'm not sure but I've, I've told people that have done interviews with me before he'll say things um uh, on a set like uh to a crew member don't help don't help, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, meaning just you know, walk get, away. Get away. Yeah, yeah. You're, you don't need you're to be not, there. You're not helping. Right, Instead right. of saying it, just say don't help. Yeah. But when there was one time when when I was working with him, and uh, well, during the Terminator, and we're doing something, and we do a take or whatever, and he said, "Michael, that's exactly what I don't want." And um, <laughs> you know, the hair on my back of my neck went up a little bit. And by this time, I'd spent months with him, and I said, "Well, okay, Jim." Uh, Here's the deal. Everybody on the set knows that you can do their job better than they can do it. 
but you can't play Kyle Reese. So give me a fucking line reading and let's move on. And he did. And I did. And that's all there is to it. Do you remember the line? Come with me if you want to. No, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't remember the particular line. I, you know what's funny? You say that is I love it when I'm trying to get something. Goes, no, no, put the emphasis. I go, no, just give me the line reading. I don't care. No ego here. What is it? I don't want any of you to come here. Great. Just like that. And that's it. I don't want to go through of what I think you want or trying to just tell me what you want. Sometimes that's easier. Well, in that case, it was one in which um, uh, Jim is his blunt, uh, which I, I would call him blunt. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't coddle actors. Does he say, hey, Michael, great job on that take. Oh, yeah. Oh, he will. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because I think that's important. Oh, and most times, uh, as an actor, you kind of, for me, you know it. Or you look over to Jim. You good? Yeah, I'm good. He looks that, at you with yeah, a smile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's a... I think he's, I think he's, I, you know, I haven't seen Jim for probably a year before COVID. Um, but he's been, um, and even though I haven't seen him in four years, Michael, if, if, if right now I picked up your phone and I'm not going to do it, but picked up your phone uh, and said, I need to speak to Jim Cameron. It's an emergency. I need to speak to Jim yeah, Cameron. Sir. He, I, he would get, I would hear from him in 10 or 15 minutes. And he's that kind of guy, you know, he's that kind of friend. Uh, but he's not the guy, kind of guy that you hang out with. He's not the kind of guy that you go, you know, watch a football game with or go it out and have a couple of beers. Stuff like that. He's, he's a machine. He, he, he's, he's a genius for mm -hmm. one thing. And all, and, you know, he, he's just not the hanging out kind of guy. He's too busy writing, um, you know, the, the next avatar. Right. He's too busy. I got so many stories about, um, you know, working with him. Uh, I'll tell you one. And that is uh, when we were doing um, Terminator, last day of Terminator, uh, we, 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 we wrapped on a Friday night. You know, those Friday nights go into like whatever. Yeah. I was beat. I was beat. He's putting in twice as many hours as I am. I'm putting in 12. He's putting in 18 throughout the entire show. Oh, uh, I'm beat. I'm totally beat. I get a call on Sunday from Gail Hurd, his future wife. And she said, hey, Michael, uh, Jim has got a rough cut of the uh, Technoir, which is the gunfight, the fight between me and Arnold in, in Technoir. If you know the movie, most people know Technoir. And I, he, he wants to come over and take a look at it. And I was like, oh, fuck, man. <laughs> you know, you had to suck it up. Uh, yeah, like I'm beat. I'm beat, you know. So so I, I drive over the hill because I live in the valley at the time. I drive over the hill and, you know, I go into his, hi, Gail, how are you? Good. Jim's in his office. I walk in and Jim is there. And I'm about as far away from you as I was to him. And he's just scribbling away. He's just scribbling and working and scribbling and working. And I was like, I waited for a while and you didn't notice me. And I was like, Hey Jim. Hey Michael. Hey, how you doing? Good. I'm glad you came over. And I said, Jim, what, what I, I'm beat. And I know you've put in twice as many hours on this movie that, that, that I have. But what do you three want? times? What, <laughs> no, what do you, what are you doing? What could possibly be so important at this moment that, I mean, he was, I could tell, he was intense. Intense, right? Yeah, he was writing Aliens. He was working on Aliens. That was the, that was the Sunday. 
we wrapped on a late Friday. You know, Friday goes into Saturday Jesus. morning. He was already he, going. Yeah. Well, it turns out I've read now that he'd already uh, uh, had like 90 pages of it written or a treatment of 90 pages and Fox had already, you know, uh, but, but Fox had not, I don't think Fox decided to let him direct that until they saw Terminator, but they, they, but they, they, they had, they were paying him to, to write the script. And he's, he's always like that. He's always like that. Um, Michael, he, he never stops. And I call him the Terminator of filmmakers. And he's the only filmmaker that I know that's never made a movie that's lost money. Never. And Terminator, he, Aliens, the, this, the, Avatar, Titanic, True, um, Lies. True Lies. All of it. All of it. Because he, he, he cares so much about it. He doesn't let anything slide that, you know, it's always a but solid there's, movie. But there's a lot of people that care about their movies. There are a lot of, a lot of people sure. that care about their movies. But... Um, you know, there's uh, there, there's nobody that I know of from a director standpoint that uh, has been as successful as he was. I was uh, he he had just won the Academy Award for uh, Titanic and uh, Academy Awards all over the place, and I was on the Fox lot, and I got a note: "Hey, Jim, heard you were on the lot. Why don't you come over and say hi?" And uh, so I went over and um, hey, Jim, how you doing? And we're talking for a while, and I mean. We used to be pretty close, and and I, I was always honest. You know, when you get that successful, you get a lot of ends up getting a lot of people around you who are like, oh yeah, yeah, good whatever idea, you Jim. Say, whatever, whatever you, you want. Yeah, yeah. You and didn't I'm, have to do that. No, and I didn't. I don't think that he would have wanted me to do that. But it, this is. Uh, but anyway, this has nothing to do. So I go over there, and I'm talking to congratulations, all these Academy Awards, and all this sort of stuff, and I say, now. Now what, Jim? I mean, just one best picture, best director, best best this, best that. Now, how do you top that? What are you going to do? I swear to God, this is a true story the way I remember it. He was sitting at his desk, okay? He opened his desk drawer and he pulls out two scripts. One is called Alita Battle Angel and the other one is called Avatar. And I was, I didn't know what Alita Battle Angel meant. I didn't know what Avatar meant. I didn't even know. There were full scripts too. They weren't treatments. They were scripts. And I looked and I said, uh, Jim, uh, well, cool. I, well, which one are you going to do? And he said, I don't know, Michael. I have to wait for the technology to catch up to the, you know, my idea of what these movies should look like. So he waited after Titanic before he started Avatar. I think it was like 10 years. He waited to do Avatar. And he did Avatar first. And then because that became such a huge moneymaker, he gave Alita Battle Angel to Robert Rodriguez, who, by the way, is another brilliant, brilliant, brilliant guy to work with. And Did fun. you work with him on Mandalorian? No. I, worked, I, I saw him on Mandalorian. He right. was prepping um, uh, the next show. He was prepping. Prep, prepping the next show uh dave filoni directed the one that i was in uh, and um uh, no i did a, a show called uh grindhouse right that yeah. was that was him and quentin tarantino yep. doing the old uh old school yeah. the, old, the old thing so that was an incredible experience because i got to spend every single day uh with robert rodriguez and quentin tarantino and quentin tarantino is just fab both of them I mean, they're 
Oh, so highly worked with the greats, man. Also, well, some I never got to work with. I've met Spielberg. I got a funny story about Spielberg. Did you? Would you audition or ever for Spielberg? You know, I went into him for uh, what's the Harrison Ford? What's the big one that he did? The first, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, I went in. and I was obviously young. I don't know. Oh, there you go. <laughs> reach over and figure. Pick, yeah, I'm a child. Go well, ahead. that's all right. Um, this is a crazy story. It's a true story. And I've got a lot of interesting stories about people that I've met, and um, I went in. I'm not sure what I had done. Maybe the fan, which was a movie, fan, yeah, yeah, yeah what I did with Lauren Bacall. But uh, I went over. I had a. It was a meeting. They just, you know, I had a good agent at the time. Real and always had a uh, Ed Lamato. Uh, yeah, and uh, so Ed Ed sent me over to meet Steven Spielberg, and um, so. You know, at the time- Do you time, get nervous? You know, Michael- Do you I, ever get nervous with these kind of guys? Not when I'm uh, uh, just talking to them. If I'm auditioning for somebody, yeah, of course okay. I get nervous. Okay. When I'm uh, on a movie set, uh, first day of work, or if I come in and do an episodic, or if I come in at somebody else's set that's been doing it for eight years, and yeah, I get nervous. Sure. Yeah, I, I still have nerves. Uh, but when I go in to meet somebody, I, you know, I'm just going to be me right, and there's right, nothing. Right. You're right. It's a lot easier than, like, yeah, I'm not like trying. I'm like, oh, you can either like me or you don't like me. And, um, so I went in, I got a funny story about Paul Schrader too, the director, but I went in <laughs> to meet him and, uh, he was over at Universal and was on a sound stage and there was nothing in the stage except for in the middle of it was a kitchen and a kitchen like, uh, uh, like the French chef kitchen, you know, where they, you, you would think that they Big, would shoot yeah. the cooking. This is way before cooking shows and stuff or whatever. Right. So I'm let in and I'm like, he's over there. And I wa walk over and Steven Spielberg is there and he's got like a, like a, He's got an apron on. He's got flour all over. He's got a hat. He's got he's got flour all over him. The and there's fuck? a guy there and he's like making cherry pies. And I'm like, hi, Mr. Spielberg. My name is Michael Bean. Hi, hey, Michael. How you doing? And we talked for probably 20 minutes. I think that he realized very quickly on I was too young for the role. I, I think Harrison Ford's got a few years on me. I was oh, too yeah. young to play that role. But uh, he he was very nice and, 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 and wonderful. But the entire time I was talking to him, he was making pies. And he was, you know, you know, squirting the stuff in there and doing the edges. That's so weird. And I said, well, I said to him, Mr. Spielberg, um, when I was leaving, I said, I got to ask you, you know, I just been interesting and thank you so much for seeing me. But like, what's the whole deal with, with the pies? You know, what, what, why, why are you making pies? And he said, Michael, I find um, uh, the casting process to be a kind of, uh, forget the word he used, but kind of time consuming and a waste of time at the same time. It's like, you have to spend a lot of time doing it. So he, he's basically multitasking. So he said, uh, while I'm doing this movie, I'm learning to cook. And you happen to come in on the day that I'm that I'm learning to make cherry pies. So he at the same time <laughs> oh he's God. same time he's talking to me, which is easy for him to do. He's cooking and you know, back in the that was back in the day before phones and all that sort of stuff. But he was probably, you know. Uh, doing something else at the same time. Well, you know what's funny is I, with all the stuff you've done, you have such a, I mean, you've done so many amazing roles. But I remember as a kid, 
and you're not that much older than me, but watching your performances. 16 years older than 16, me. 16, so you're an older brother. <laughs> Whatever, I'm trying to make you from feel your, good. From your <laughs> <laughs> but look, I, 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 there's very few actors. There's, there's actors out there that you look at and you go, this is a movie star. This is an old school movie star. This is like the old, old days. I always looked at you and your, those performances. When you're on screen, to me, it was like, I, I just it, it's movie star the looks the 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 power the not having to do too much the and all these movies and I and I always wonder are you just born cool or were you no, were you were you were no. No, listen you got the when you were born I mean obviously you got great genes like you look at these roles you're like oh my god every every girl wants you every director wants to hire you you're the action guy you're the you're the brooding kind of dark but lovable all these things. Were you like a? Were you popular in high school? Were you like? Did you get the girls? Don't lie to me, Michael. I was popular. I wasn't the most popular kid in school. Uh, I uh, was never. I never thought. Nobody ever. You know, uh, women. I've always been uh, very um, afraid of rejection. So we I. All do. Yeah, yeah. Well, but I. I really. I'm like. You know, like I'm really afraid of uh, of rejection. So I didn't put myself out very much. Um, was I the coolest kid in school? No, absolutely not. Was I the coolest kid in my grade in high school? No, I definitely wasn't. Was I uh, with a group of jocks, about uh, 10 of us that were kind of cool in, in the jot? We weren't stoners. We weren't Christians. We were the jocks. Right. And in that group, yeah, I was somewhat popular, but um, no, I don't know. And here's the thing that, that what you just mentioned, and that was um, you talk about a movie star, okay? I am a way better actor than I am a movie star because they're two complete different. To be a movie star and a great actor – like Tom Hanks uh, or Denzel Washington, or, you know, there are a number of people that are true movie stars. I was never, ever comfortable. I never had a publicist. Uh, I was never comfortable on the red carpet. Um, I was never comfortable doing um, press. Uh, uh, and, Bit of an introvert. And, in that way, I expressed myself. I was, you know, I was, I was into acting. I really cared about like my part and I really wanted to do a good job. And I really cared about that. But when it came to like doing articles and magazines and being on the cover of magazines and stuff like that, I'm, you know, and you can go back and find me on the cover of Teen Beat magazine or whatever, <laughs> like 50 years ago or whatever. And not like I ever, I never did it, but I just wasn't that good. And I had a lifestyle that, uh, you know, thank God they didn't have phones. <laughs> when I Cell was, when I was uh, 20, 20 through about uh, 45. Why? What were you doing? Oh, I did a lot of drinking. A lot of drinking. When you say a lot of drinking, was it something that you'd wake up and drink? Yes. How much? Uh, at least a fifth a day. A fifth a day of yes. whiskey? Yes. How long? But I started and uh, ended up being vodka because people could smell smell whiskey on my breath. I would go on runs, Michael. If I would, you know, if I'm going to go work on a James James Cameron movie, um, I'm not going to be drinking. If I'm going to go work with Michael Bay, I'm not going to be drinking. If I'm going to go work with Billy Friedkin, I'm not going to be drinking. 
But what you just wouldn't drink while you were prepping? uh, Oh, I drink while I was prepping, but not. I would never drink when I was working. Right. You know, I would never. uh, But I did drink on on jobs, but they were jobs where I didn't really respect the director. I didn't. You know, it was just a, a a paycheck. And I could do my job just as well as anybody else. Nobody ever has to wait on me on a set. And nobody ever had to wait on me uh, on a movie set. You know, where's, you know, we're ready to go. Where's Michael? That never happens. But, you know, I used to get up uh, when I met Jennifer, we were doing a movie together and I'd get up and before I was in front of the camera, I'd probably have, uh, have had eight ounces of, of, of alcohol get up and have what I call a double deuce, which was most a- people couldn't function eight ounces starting their day. You get tired. How do you, how do you keep the energy? How do you keep the focus? Uh, you know, alcohol works and works and works for you until it doesn't work. And I was, uh, I was a good friend of, um, I considered him a good friend. You know, George C. Scott, you know, George C. Scott. Yeah. Okay. Of course. So, okay. Well, George C. He's just not in the files. <laughs> <laughs> fucking yeah one of the best actors ever yeah and george she and i did a movie uh a tv movie years and years and years ago and he offered me a part in the, the he did a a, a television movie robert Holmey t- television movie uh where he was patent to or whatever and he offered me to, uh, a role in that well we got to be kind of drinking buddies and he he's the drinker. i used to watch him on, on the set that i worked with him on, on and he used to have it was like a court it was like a bottle that had like a handle on it, you know, and he would start during the morning and he would drink all day long and you would never, ever see him stumble, mumble his words, nothing. He just drank. It was almost he, like an energy drink. Well, I don't know. What is I, it about uh, alcohol that was like that, that you felt throughout the day? Was it just relaxed you and kind of you just kept at that pace at that level? Uh I just did it because I could at that time in my life. I yeah, I enjoyed it. I felt uh, when I was drinking, the person that when I was drinking, I felt that was truly who Michael Bean was. When I wasn't drinking, I think that I have barriers up and insecurities. I'm a little bit, don't say certain things and I'm afraid somebody will. And I felt like when I was drinking, that was the true me because I didn't have um, any, you know, I didn't have any filters. But was so that a lie that you learned later? I don't, I don't know, Michael. I, 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 I did it for so, and you know, I started when I was 15. I started when I was 14, 15. I was, and I was a wake and bake guy for uh, 30 years. You know, so I was doing doing that too. And, you know, I was, I was, I was at that age during the eighties when Coke was a big deal. And And I didn't love Coke, but I didn't like Coke because, uh, uh, one thing I couldn't get a heart on when I used Coke. So that, that that, that sucks. (laughs) That's a bad drug right there. Why are you doing Uh, that? Yeah. But I seemed to, I used to use it to, to continue drinking, you know, it would keep me awake so I could drink drink more and i and i did my share what made you stop i was killing myself you know i was told you that where where, did did you is it someone you listened to everybody everybody kind of gave up on me my uh jennifer had given up on me uh my mother had given up on me uh my agents had given up on me and i you know i'd been in uh, four rehabs i've been in four rehabs and that whole aa thing never never quite 
worked for me. I don't have that good of an attention span. So like, I don't even know like what the first step is, let alone the third one or the fourth one. And it just, it never worked. I think I, I didn't stay 30 days in, in two of them or three of them. And the last one, I think I did 30 days and, uh, I just, I was doing it cause other people told me I should do it. Uh, and, uh, but it got to a point where I was, uh, rock bottom. It, yeah. In my mind, I was rock bottom. My money was running out. Um, uh, people around me, uh, my friends and, and family just, just kind of didn't want to see me kill myself. And, uh, so, um, I just stopped. I, I didn't just stop. Um, I had a doctor who, um, I spoke to yesterday actually, who, uh, prescribed Xanax to me. I'd never taken Xanax before, and I started taking Xanax, and I just, I, that was it. I just quit drinking. Do you still take Xanax? Yes, but a very small amount. Do you know what a bar of Xanax is? Two milligrams, yeah. okay. of course. All right, well, I I used to take four bars. That's So, so eight milligrams. Well, whatever, whatever four bars. Whatever four bars, four, yeah, so that's a lot of milligrams. Yeah, now I'm down to a uh, half a bar, and I take it at night uh, to go to sleep, and uh, it that's seems it. To, it seems to take, I don't, I think uh, also beyond it, just feeling, oh, hey, this is the real Michael Bean. I think that I had a lot of anxiety, Michael. I think that I had a lot of anxiety, but I'm not good at identifying it. I'm like one of those I think kids, it's a weakness, kids. right? No, I don't think it's a weakness. I just don't, I'm not, I'm not self introspective. I don't, I don't look at myself. How am I feeling today? Oh, I feel this way. Oh, I feel a little bit. I don't realize that um, I, you know, I don't realize, you know, that that I'm having feelings until all of a sudden, you know, I pick up and start fucking drinking. And then I realize, oh, yeah, you know, you, <laughs> you know, you were upset or you were, uh, you know, anxious. Anxious is, is kind of a big thing. But in acting, a lot of it is is being anxious. And I can go back. I can think of like even going way back to when I did Hill Street Blues at lunchtime, you know, going across the street and, and, and having three or four beers. So I come back and, and do my job. And, 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 and I was great on Hill Street Blues. And I've always been good. I had one day, one day, my entire life on a show with Brittany Murphy. And I can't think of the name of it, uh, where it was a real train wreck, but I think it was more my, and they, I basically they, they took me well they took me off the scent they, they well and I I fought the I fought the cops I ended up in a what do they call it, a 5150 like the mental mental ward wow. for 51 hour 52 hours what happened you just got too drunk uh, well I think it had to do with um uh it I there was alcohol involved Michael but uh it, there was a lot of stress when I was leaving my second wife and and wanting to be with jennifer i had children i had um i i, I was just in a lot of pain i, I never want to hurt anybody I, my second wife i was hurting uh, you know jennifer wanted me to shit or get off the you know and I, I was right in that spot where you shouldn't be you know there's an old cowboy saying is you know if you straddle a barbed wire fence you know <laughs> and that's you know yeah. and so I think it was more of a mental breakdown that I sure. had, a mental event. It's amazing and, it happened, didn't happen earlier. Well, it 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 is, and um, uh, but that's 
that's the one day that um, uh, it was the last day of shooting. So everybody was a Friday. Everybody had their plans to go home. So they had to come back on Tuesday when I got out of the 5250. And one of the requirements of me getting out of uh, whatever they, not jail, whatever they call it, right. was that I had to go into rehab. And I think that was the last rehab that I was that I was in. But, you know, that's all in the past. And uh, but how do you feel now? Like, how do you feel? Because when I bumped into you in Australia, we were doing a convention together. Yeah. And what I noticed, because I had met you years ago, we had like breakfast with Danielle and Jennifer at some place called something 11411 in Studio City. Yeah, 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 I remember that place. But we just had a breakfast. And from the time I saw you there, then to seeing you in Australia in person, I noticed a different person. Well, here's the thing. But I noticed someone who now was excited about life about excited about what he was about to do a new project and like it was just like i was like oh wow michael 12 years ago i had a devastating stroke a devastating stroke how long 12 years ago what happened uh well um i went to bed one night with jennifer and uh I woke up in the middle of the night with a really bad headache, really bad headache, went in, urinated, went back to bed, got up that morning. I had a uh, uh, job that I was starting the next day, and I opened up my script to look at my script, and I couldn't read it. It was like Chinese. I couldn't read it. I was like, Jennifer, I can't read this. I can't read this. What do you mean you can't read it? I can't read it. I can't read this. And she said, uh, okay, she knew immediately that something was on. Thank God for Jennifer, because she immediately, like, you know, called my doctor, uh, uh, drove me uh, to uh, a Cedars. I think it was Cedars. Um, and at that time, Michael, I didn't know my children's name. I didn't know uh, my, uh, I didn't know who the president was. Uh, I think it was Obama. At the Were time. you terrified? No, I was in a kind of a floating thing. But what happened, Michael, is I got like 50% of my memory back pretty quickly. But it's taken uh, uh, till right before COVID that all of my memories come back. When you have a, a stroke and your brain tears like that, it, uh, it, it, he, it will heal itself. Your brain will heal itself, and but it takes a long time, and it's very, very, very frustrating. So names, places, streets, uh, uh, numbers, uh, being able to navigate. Um, I really did not uh, did not feel um, like I was back, and and when I act, for instance, I have to. I have to act like I've always acted. I, I listen to you and Michael talk about uh, hearing things on headphones and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I totally respect that and I get it. But for me, if I can't be the way that I used to be, it, it's not fulfilling. If somebody's got to feed me lines or something like that, I just, I don't, I don't like it. And so 10 years ago, that's, uh, or 12 years ago, that's, you know, I really stopped working. I mean, did I work? Yeah, I worked here and there. But that's when I started doing the, the Comic-Cons because I have a 19-year-old uh, son now. He was 12 at the time, or not, not ni 19 minus 12, whatever that is. 
and I right. and and my son um, Dashel, and so I still I had bills to pay, and so um, you had so, to work. Uh, I had to work, and I worked on a lot of stuff that that they would pay me, you know, uh, quite a bit of money to come in and do like three days, uh, or, or not three days, like one day or two days, yeah. and then they use my name and stamp it up there and put it up. Oh, Michael Bean, you know picture of me with a gun or something on the front of the thing and then you know slowly but surely you're you you go down and um um i'm out of that now i did um i did uh, mandalorian which was i didn't have a a lot of dialogue in that but i did the walking dead recently and walking dead i had about nine pages i had about nine pages that i had to do and for me michael i i don't like to be the person, I think I mentioned this earlier, I don't like to be the person when, when you're doing a shot, there are a lot of elements involved. There's the DP looking at stuff. There's a camera operator that's, that, that just got his job. There's a focus pull. Yeah, there's sound. Much. There's all that kind of yeah. stuff. And any, any one of those elements can fuck up a shot. And it's highly important to me that I don't fuck up a shot by going, uh, sorry, I forgot my line. It's highly important to me. So you go so, over these lines over, hundreds yeah. and hundreds of times. If not thousands. Yeah. And until you have it well, like second nature. Yeah. And, 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 but it was for a long time, Michael, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't remember anything. Well, how'd that make you feel? Were you depressed? No, I was, uh, frustrated. I never, I never was de- well. I, I I guess there were times that I've, I've been depressed in my life and and laid around for a month or something. But um, I've always worked out. I've always gone to the gym, and I think that's helped me a lot. But I was very very frustrated because every once a year I would like you know try to pick something up, try to try to uh, 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 memorize it, you know, like I like I used to, and I just you know I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it, and so I shied away. And then once my memories started coming back and once it started coming back to a place where i was in really good shape confidence being an uh, having the confidence as an actor is a very important quality i think it's one of the most important qualities to be an actor and go like yeah well, this is my shit like take it or leave so it. it so it took you those doing the small roles doing a couple pages building it up building that confidence up to where you can get back to where you once were is what you're i am back to where i was before now because i just did uh i did the uh i did the uh the uh walking dead and the walking dead like i said was about eight eight nine pages and you know they did how many shots you know so they're doing like uh in my direction they're doing about uh eight shots on me so I nailed that every time. And then this last um, summer, this last year, last summer, I did two pieces of, and, and now, Michael, I just call it content because it's not um, uh, it's not film, it's not television, it's just content. So anyway, I did one in Thailand, uh, which was a like a prison uh, uh, fighting movie. It had to do with the, uh, I, I was in prison and had some children that were trying to get me out, that are trying to get me out. Uh, I think it's going to maybe end up on the Paramount. I, I, I'm not sure. Right. Um, it's called Lock. It was originally called Bangkok uh, Lockdown or Lockup. I think they had to take the Bangkok off because we were shooting it in Thailand and Thailand, they didn't want, you know, Thailand's pretty nervous about right. like, anything this bad. And then I went to Australia and I shot another movie in Australia, which I was involved in, uh, really come from a kind of a right, right from the beginning of helping uh, the, the filmmakers uh, create the character, 
not create the character, but uh, uh, I just help them a lot. They're first first time filmmakers, and I'm very very good. I'm not I don't write scripts, but I'm very good at at, at writing stuff. So, I mean, yeah, I had two. You know, I was worked. I worked three months on one and uh, two months on the other one. And uh, during that entire time, I never had to say, uh, sorry, I forgot my line. And that just builds confidence. Yeah. Now I'm confident. Now I feel like I could, you know, call go. Cameron up. Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, no, I mean, I feel like I could, uh, Do I anything. could work with anybody, you know, and it's not, you know, these days it's not about, um, it's not about, it's not about, you know, it's not about like, oh, you know, like, oh, I'm going to do this and, and that's going to make me, you know, people are going to, you know, it's like just having the experience. Would I like to work with Cameron? Yeah, just because I like being around geniuses, you know. Would I like to work with uh, Meryl Streep? Yes, because I like to work with geniuses. Would I like to work with Denzel Washington? Yes, because I like work work with you know, great people. Right. Would I like to work with Johnny Depp? I'd love to work with Johnny Depp. Michael you know? Rosenbaum. <laughs> I was saving he, the best for last. Yeah, I was waiting <laughs> when it was coming. Let me ask you, what, because um, this is awesome. What a great story about like, you know, it's just like you were, you were and essentially drinking yourself to death. You were so, essentially like lost the confidence, lost who you were. That wasn't because the, well, the stroke. The stroke is what the did stroke. That to but me. I'm sure there was an accumulation of like a yeah, lot of things right. that probably contributed yeah. to that. Yeah. But now you're 66. You're in the best shape like you've probably been in a long time. You look confident. You look. You, you're doing all these things. What do you? What what is your goal? Do you have like an idea like your agents? Like I want to be up for the big stuff now. No, I want to be. No. Well, how do you approach that? Are you just continue to want to just act and whatever comes yeah, to you? Whatever comes my way. Um, I've never been very good at auditioning, so uh, I I usually take stuff um, that's offered to me. You know, I went from a period of time after I did uh, Terminator until uh, seventeen years without um, um, auditioning and. Uh, and I did, um, you know, I didn't have to audition for Mandalorian. I didn't have to audition for uh, uh, Walking Dead. I didn't audition for either one of these movies um, that I did, pieces of content that I did. Um, so I forgot. What was your question? No, your, about your, like what you want. Like what, oh, yeah. You know what? I don't, I don't, I don't. You're content. I, I'm very content. I'm very content. I'm content because I know that I've got a career that already you know, when you're in a movie like just Terminator, Aliens, and Tombstone. I'd have retired. I'd have been like, I did it. I was a movie star. I, I'm done. I thought I was going to retire. And then, you know, Mandalorian came along. And there's just certain people like John Favre that you just don't say no to. You know? That still hey, want to see you. Yeah. Can you come in and, and support Rose, uh, Rosario Dawson, who, by the way, is fucking awesome. She's going to come all on awesome. the podcast, too. Yeah. Hey, she's going she, to, yeah. Oh, she's awesome. She's tell, awesome. Tell, 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 yeah. Tell her, I, you know, she, she knows how I feel about her. And uh, there's just certain people... Uh, and then, you know, when I did the, the Walking Dead, it was Greg Nicotero who had done all the special effects on Robert Rodriguez's yeah. movie was, is now the showrunner on that. And, um, so I'm not, I'm not very good at auditioning, but I'm, 
once I really sink my teeth into something, um, Let's go. I, I feel yeah, I feel pretty pretty good and confident. This is called shit talking with Michael Bean. And by the way, I mean, you're coming on again. This is like I I, I honestly, you have so many stories and so many things to talk about. <laughs> I, I got to bring you back on. Okay, you got to say yes. Oh, oh yes, I'll come dude. Back. Like, this is like you you haven't heard any. You asked me earlier if I was funny. Well, you haven't heard any. No, this is this is just <laughs> epic. I, I'm honestly sitting here going, oh shit, I should have a question ready. I don't. I, I I just I'm listening to you and like going and, and I'm th- imagining all the things you're telling me. It's called shit talking with Michael Bean. These are my top tier patrons. Go to patreon.com slash inside you support the podcast. I love you. But these are questions. Rapid fire. Stone Age. What was it like filming Navy Seals with Charlie Sheen? Was it a fun movie to star in? Love that movie. Fucking horrible. I hated it. I hated it because it could have been Top Gun. Charlie was great. Charlie was sober as a church whatever uh charlie was great we had a great cast we had do do i get one word or just answer no go ahead yeah we had a great cast we had paxton we had rick rosovich we had joanne wally kilmer who was smoking we had a academy award-winning dp and we had a director who uh didn't know what the fuck he was doing yeah yeah and uh yeah so i that was the worst experience i've ever had making a movie and it it it, you can tell by watching it you might have liked it but you're one of the few raj tell me a tv or movie quote you find yourself repeating the most when people ask you or whatever me yeah do you have any quote that people say hey oh yeah Uh, well you know come with me if you want to live uh stay frosty uh i want your blood i want your soul i want them both right now now i get a lot of stuff like that Jam and Jenny, are you planning on producing more movies with your wife, Jennifer Blanc? No, you know what? We, that was a during a period of time where where I was still suffering my memory, and you know uh, that that was Jennifer. Jennifer Jennifer was always there for me. She was always able to, if we were doing an interview or something, speak for me. But uh, now there's no money in it, and it's a lot of hard work. And so, I know, uh, I know. yeah, so probably not. Um, Tell me a story, just a, a quick story about Bill Paxton that you remember that from working with him. Because and and how were you close with him, and how did him passing affect you? Well, uh, Bill and I did a movie called Lords of Discipline together. That's where I met Bill, and Bill is a live wire. Bill is uh, he comes into a room and you know it. A lot of fun, uh, very passionate, knows films well. Uh, I had worked at Roger Corman's company with with Jim Cameron. Uh, well, I, I did five movies with him. So I knew Bill before he met Louise. Uh, uh, he met Louise when, when we were, uh, right at the end of Lords of Discipline. And then we went over and did, um, Aliens together. That was the greatest time, uh, that I had with Bill. I mean, uh, you know, uh, next time you have me on, I'll tell you, because uh, it, it's about a 10 minute story or, or maybe in, I, I could cut it down, but to really do it justice and really to, to do Bill justice, uh, you know, I'll come back. But he was um, uh, I've he 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 seemed to enjoy life more than other people. He seemed to like eat life and, you know, the smile and he was always kind of bigger than life. And as an actor, he got started off that way. And he was so great in Aliens for being, that's a little bit like Bill Paxson without the coward part, okay? That's a little bit like who Bill Paxson was. 
But throughout the years, he was able to bring that down. And by the time he was working with Billy Bob Thornton and doing his television series for HBO, he was just a really good actor. And his being hired was not based on uh, his personality. But he he he's an infectious infectious person personality who uh uh i spent uh well i spent a couple yeah i i, I didn't know him as well uh before uh you know i saw him on the 25th anniversary of aliens and we were talking a little bit and he started to talk to me about his something to do with his heart and i was listening because i've had open heart surgery that's another <laughs> He's coming back, Ryan. Don't you worry. Open heart, Bill Paxton storage. He's coming back. Go, go ahead. He's, he's telling you about his heart. Yeah, well, he started talking to me about his heart, and I've got um, Rico Simonini is my uh, cardiologist, one of the best in the, in, in the country. And uh, I, I had my heart surgery done by a guy named Bud Frazier, who's more used to doing heart transplant. Mine was a one-foot putt. Stint. Something I was – no, it was I was born with a – regurgitating valve or a heart murmur. So I've had it my whole life, but I got to be 50, 52 or three or whatever it was. It was right after I had my stroke. No, it was before. I don't know. You know, whatever. But anyway, he's (laughs) telling you about his heart. So so he started talking to me about his heart and somebody pulled me away. And so I never had the conversation with him because I would immediately said to him, you got to talk to my guy, Rico. He's the best in the business. I've had it, you know, and he was aware of that. And I think he probably wanted to talk to me about it. Bill uh, went to uh, Cedar sinai and was operated on. And uh, uh, my opinion is that they butchered him. And uh, I think that his family felt that way. They filed a lawsuit against Cedars, which was um, uh, uh, finally, it was supposed to go to court last December. And they finally settled out of court. Uh, it was a very simple surgery, what what he was doing. And he had a doctor that... Uh, uh, Messed it know, up. Well, according to Bill's, fam- according to Bill's family, he uh, uh, made a lot of mistakes. And uh, <clears throat> I had a little bit of inside knowledge on, on what happened. And uh, here's the thing about it is, um, you know, we've all got a, uh, uh, a date with our name on it. And Bill's happened to be that nobody could have enjoyed life more than Bill. Nobody could have had more fun. Nobody could have loved as much as he did. Um, nobody could have uh, been a, a better father. Uh, he's he was human, you know. He, he he and I used to get into some trouble together, so he was human. But uh, uh, one of the uh, uh, I, and I kind of took him on as a younger brother because I had worked more at the time, so I I would. I felt like I, I helped him become from an acting standpoint. He used to go to a acting coach that I first started with named Vincent Chase. And he stayed with Vincent Chase right up until he died, but he didn't, he didn't need to die, but you know, none of us need to die. And Were you yeah. very upset about it? Did it really impact you? Yeah. It really yeah. hit you. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, um, just because you know, we're all going to die. But when it happens like that, you know, when it happens because of violence or because of um, somebody making a mistake or somebody's hubris and thinking, oh, I'm going to try it this way. And uh, 
it makes it, it makes it it makes it more difficult and um you know more than anything else um uh, i miss him you know i just miss him and even though we only spoke to each other once or twice a year towards the end of his career because he was working so much and i was always working and so but when we were young we were we were really tight and you know he he you know he 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 was a he, he was just a a lot of fun to be around and it was it's tough it was tough to see him uh that happen to him yeah. you know you know i'm gonna end it on the worst thing ever okay get ready for that i thought well you already mentioned navy seal when so you did fucker. <laughs> no did i oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah i did yeah, yeah, when yeah. travolta hit you in the balls in greece that was you yes in greece he comes over here's and he you want to hear the story? Yes. Okay. I had no idea that was you. Well, here's the deal. I went in, um, the director's name is Randall Kleiser. And uh, Randall uh, had me in and I read for him and the producers. Uh, I think it was Paramount. Went over there about five times and read for the role that Lorenzo Lamas played in the movie. Remember L uh, Lorenzo yep. Lamas? Yeah. So when Olivia Newton-John and him kind of split up, she goes off with Lorenzo Lamas to make him jealous. And Lorenzo Lamas is the jock sort of thing. So therefore, he tries to do all the sports. And so I read a number of times. I was obviously the number two pick for that. And I think that um, I think that uh, Randall just kind of thought, geez, Michael came in here. He's probably very disappointed. Let's Let's bring him in for a day. They brought me in as an actor. So I got paid as an actor, like $750 back then or whatever. And I came in and I, I you know, I, I did that scene with John Travolta where he's trying to impress Olivia Newton-John by playing sports, baseball, wrestling, and all, all this stuff. And I happened to be, I don't know if if randall picked me because uh uh i was he but yeah i was the guy that he hit in the stomach there's also another shot in the movie where Kaneki um uh uh pulls out the frog yeah in in the classroom that 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 uh, uh shot. shot starts on on a girl in in the front row and it starts panning and it pans right across me so it's just i think it's just me full screen it's before the scene really starts i look like i'm about 12 and, it, and i was like 19 <laughs> yeah, or yeah, something yeah. like that and it pans across me and then you know kanicki does something and then the scene starts right. but that's but so that was uh oh let's throw this kid a bone because um he auditioned well for us so many times you. let me ask you lastly uh do you still get residuals for greece yes i get i get residuals for everything you've done I get, obviously yeah but uh over the years michael as you well know they they become they smaller and dwindles and dwindles and dwindles and what's happened now because i had this stroke and because i started doing the comic cons now you know michael the last one i saw you at uh was uh in pittsburgh i believe yep. and dude i made so much money i made because of terminator and alien and, and, and yes, basically everything. it's not work you just stand there you're and just people, hanging out with friends and, fans. And, and people come up and just tell you how much they Your love you how endless. much well, yeah, I, I, but that's because I did Terminator, Aliens, and Tombstone, and The Abyss, and The Rock, and 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 
that's all I do is stand there and have people tell me how much they love me and and have me suck. money. It doesn't no, suck. No, it's not work. But I do miss, like I said, you know. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I, 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 you uh. know, like. Life is good, and um, uh, life is good. <laughs> I, I love this. Um, I'm not kidding. I want you to come back. Uh, there's so many things I want to talk. I mean, I could talk to you. I, we won't get into it now, but I, I'm going to talk to you about The Rock and working under Brookheimer and working for Jerry. Uh, Br- yeah, Brookheimer, uh, unbelievable. And Don Simpson, who I knew. Oh Don yeah. Simpson. I, I saw want- Don Simpson two days before he died. So anyway, if you guys yeah. want him back, he's coming back anyway. I, I love this guy. <laughs> yeah, I'll come back. But this, I'll come this back is- anytime. Was this awesome? I mean, honestly, I didn't ever really even look. I didn't even. I just. I've been around a long time, Michael. But, uh, dude, I love this. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, on. It's and my you're pleasure, back. man. You promise me. I promise. Yeah, anytime. All right, follow this man. You're on Instagram. No, you're not. You don't need that shit. See, real I movie don't know stars any, don't need that shit. I don't know. I, they don't I, need that shit. I, 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 no. Any cons coming up? Uh, no. Let not, me. Not, I I will let you know. Um, I um, I not, but no. And if I did, uh, Jennifer would know. She's she's she, my she girl Friday. She like, she takes care of me. She we we're in love. And she but she I I couldn't I have done. Girl. I couldn't have come back from the the stroke if it hadn't no been way. for her. She supported me the entire she time. Stuck and with she stuck you, man. She really did. This yeah. is a life. Wonderful. And yeah. lastly, when when the cameras go off and the audio stops, you're going to sign my aliens poster. Yeah, it's going to cost you. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for coming on, man. All right, man. Awesome. My pleasure. I loved it. I love that. It went long, too, because it was just, like, so fun and intense and real. And Old school Hollywood ones are always good. Yeah. Always informative. Yeah. But he just, like, you know, he, he just lets you in on his rough past and what he went through and a lot of things that a lot of people didn't know. And I think uh, a lot of this stuff could go viral because I don't think a lot of people knew about this stuff. And he's open. He opened up. Unless he's, I don't think he tells the world about everything. But he, he felt pretty open with me, right, Michael? You fucker. I <laughs> uh, love you, buddy. Thanks for coming on. Um, yeah, that was awesome. And uh, if you didn't get a chance to listen to the beginning of the show, just a reminder to uh, you know subscribe to the podcast, write a review. It really helps the podcast. Follow us on our handles at Inside You Pod. Uh, podcast on instagram and facebook at inside you pod on the twitter and uh, my new band sunspin has an album out go to it's sunspin the album's called never is what it is you can find that everywhere streaming or buy the cd on sunspin.com along with zooms with the band and uh, all that stuff and that's about it um yeah why don't we do what we do best read the top tier patrons all right go to patreon.com slash inside of you and become a patron today. I love these guys. Uh, let's see. You know, I feel like I, I want to read a different way each time, but like it's like you know, I don't know. Nancy, what if I use Nancy and then their last name? They, they gave the initial. I I put a, say a word, but not their last name. Sure, if you can keep that up. Lan- Nancy, delicious. <laughs> Leah, savvy. Sarah, vixen. <laughs> Little Lisa, Yukiko, Jill. Ebullion. Easy does it. Brian H. Brian, how are you? Nico Pleasant. Robert Brother. Jason. Worth it. Worth it. <laughs> Sophie Miraculous. Matt. 
Kristen Killer. Kristen Killer. Raj. Come on. Joshua. Don't. <laughs> Jennifer, not now. Stacy, love ya. Jamal, friggin' A. Janelle, best friends. Oh no. Mikey. <laughs> Mike. Effervescent. Effervescent. Eldon Supremo, 99 more. Santiago, my man. Chad. Whoopi. <laughs> Leanne. Paradoxical. Leanne Paradise. There you go. Janine. Real. Maya. Present. Present. <laughs> Maddie. Superstar. Belinda. Never say never. Dave, how long has this been going on? Sheila, G-Money. Brad, Dynamite. Ray, have a great day. Oh. Tabitha, too much. <laughs> Tom, nice. Man. Should we continue? If, how many more? 99 we more? We got a lot. We got a All lot right. more. Uh, Liliana, just think of one as I go for the next one. You're going to think of Talia M. I'm going to go right. Liliana, A's for Apple, Talia. Magical. Betsy, don't stop believing. <laughs> Chad. <laughs> licorice. Licorice. Dan, neat. Big Stevie W. Angel. My beautiful Rhiannon C. Cool. Rhiannon Cool. Corey Crystal. Dev Nexon. Michelle Acrobatical. Jeremy. Chippendale. Okay. Brandy D. Brandy Daredevil. Okay. Camille C. Sweet. Joni Mitchell. Joni Baby. Wow. Joey Mitchell. Joey Mitchell. Right. Joey. Eugene and Leah. Corey. Heather Locklear. Jake Busey. Megan Malali. T. Megan wow. Thoughtful. Hmm. Angela Bassett. Did the thing. Free. Oh. Mel Sly. Orlando C, Orlando City. Orlando City. Like Caroline. Huh? Caroline R. Caroline Rocks. Mm. Christine Scores. Eric Hammer. Shane Rules. Emma Right On. Andrew, my brother. Zatoichi 77. Andrew, nicely done, my friend. Oracle, Karina, and Karina, Notekeeper, Amanda, <laughs> I don't know, Rule uh, Reigns, All right. Jen Bright, Kevin Elixir, Stephanie K, Stephanie Karate, <laughs> Jor L. All right, I've got a few left, and then we'll never do this again. Billy <laughs> Stupendous, Jammin, Jammin J, Jammin Juice. Jam and Jupiter, Leanne Juice, 
Luna, Ray, Cindy, Ever, Everly, Mike, forget about it. Stone, Henge, Miss, Salami, Brian, Lover, Katie, Be Real, Aaron, Roars. Kendall loves House of Jarrell, Meredith I, Meredith Irresistible, Charlene uh, C. Crafty. Crafty and Kara Courageous. Right. That's it. We did it. We did it. We got through it. We, we, you can't just do half of them and the other people know. We did it. It's off the cuff. We love you. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for listening to Michael Bean. Uh, you rock. And uh, thank you for all the top tiers and all the love and the following. And please continue to do so and support the podcast. It means the world to me. From the Hollywood Hills in California. California. I'm Michael Rosenbaum. I'm Ryan Tails. I'm also here. Yes, you are. Mm-hmm. You're always here. A little wave to the camera. We love you. Be good to yourself. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.